Welcome to The Well Podcast, where we post the audio messages for our Sunday sermons. For more information about us and how to get further connected, feel free to visit our website at thewellaustin.com. My name is Eli. I'm a covenant member, part of the Discipleship Making Intensive, and greeters. Go to Decker Lane CG. All right, passage today will be from Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up on a cloud and took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Eli. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Osagi. Man, it was good having Osagi back up here. I love you, bro. You're such an encouragement to us. And it was great having him up here. It's great having all of you here. Um... I don't know if you, any of you, I was talking to somebody earlier today and they used church as an excuse to not go to the Austin Marathon. Um, they were like, my CG invited me, but I was like, oh, sorry, I got to serve. Like, shucks. I'm like, you wasn't going anyway. Don't be lying. Like, but y'all are here. So praise God. Either you don't really care or you were just so fast you finished already and uh, made your way here. But either way, Glad that you're here, and I'm glad to be able to teach this morning. Uh, For those who don't know, my name is Travis DeLuna, and I am the church plant resident here at The Well. And so, praise God for that. And so it's always an honor to be able to preach. Uh, Haven't got to preach since Westover, so this is my first time here at Eastside, and I've been looking forward to this. Um, Been looking forward to today specifically because we're kicking off a new series entitled Multiply. Um, If you have been here over the last six weeks, we've been going through, Tori's been walking us through a series entitled Mountains and Valleys. Um, In this series, we talked about restoration. That was kind of Tori's big prayer and hope for us is that God would begin to restore us as individuals, um, but also our church. And so the very first week, we kicked it off talking about restoration. We talked about spiritual warfare and rest. We talked about Sabbath and lamenting, celebrating. And last week, Tori finished our series talking about calling. And during the series, Tori gave an image, shared an image with us that he felt like the Lord had shared with him of a vase. 
And this vase had holes in it, had some cracks in it. And so water was pouring out of this vase through the holes and through the cracks. But what Tori felt like the Lord laid on his heart was that God wanted to, during this last series, begin to heal, begin to patch up, kind of restore that vase to where we as a church, we as individuals would be whole, complete, and we would continue to pour water out, but not through the holes or the cracks, but actually out of overflow. And so hopefully during these last six weeks, God has been able to restore some things in your life. Maybe throughout the rest of this year, God will continue to bring healing to you. Um, And so as we think about this image of being patched up, being whole, being complete, as I was praying and thinking about where God would be leading us over these next six weeks, um, as Tori is on his mini sabbatical, um, I I began to pray and be like, God, where are you leading us as a church? And that image of that vase popped up, a whole, complete, healed. And I begin just to feel pressed on by God, that God said, I just want to begin to feel. I want the waters to begin to rise inside of that vase, that it would begin to overflow. That a multiplication, if you will, of water would begin to overflow into our church and into our city and into the nations. Tori talked about um, replanting talked about us being on the east side. Like we are back, we are home in a way. Um, We have replanted the well. And so my hope is that we wouldn't grow content now that we're here. Like it can be like, okay, praise God, we're not meeting in the afternoons. Praise God, we're not over at Westover anymore. Praise God, we are back on the east side. We get this beautiful view. Who cares? We got to walk a marathon just to get to church, okay? Like some of you are like, I'm glad the marathon happened. I didn't have to walk so far today. That's awesome. Don't get used to it though, all right? Um, but, but we can kind of be here and grow content and be like, man, this is really good. This is, this is really nice. But my prayer is that we would seek to multiply, but ne- that now that we are here kind of replanted, that our roots would begin to go deep into the soil and that God would begin to bring increase and multiply us. Um, so during the series, we're going to talk about a few things that are important to the well. We're not just talking numerically here, like, hey, we just need to multiply and just have more people. But we're talking about multiply in our DNA here at the well, multiplying in the heartbeat of God. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about multiplying diversity. We're going to talk about multiplying as a team, serving, multiplying community, multiplying gospel proclamation. And so our hope during the series, I kind of... Um, type this out. Our hope is that we as a church would both individually and corporately grow into who God designed us to be. As we grow spiritually, relationally, etc., the DNA of the well and the heartbeat of God would multiply into the lives of those around us. So over the next few weeks, don't worry, I ain't going to be preaching them all. You're like, bro, you're going to be preaching the whole time Tori's gone. Don't worry, okay, it ain't going to just be me. Um, but over the next few weeks, as myself and Yusuf and Jason um, preach, we're going to be preaching through the first two chapters of the book of Acts, because that is where the church started. And as we're thinking about replanting, man, I want us to look at where was God multiplying the early church and where does God seek to multiply us here? All right, so that's where we're going to be going for the next few weeks. For today, the title of our message is The Power and Promise to Multiply. Power and Promise to Multiply. We're going to be looking at the, the promise and the power given to us as believers for multiplication. Today's going to be a little bit more general. The weeks going on, we'll have more uh, specific 
areas. All right, so let's dive in. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in Acts chapter one that Eli just read. We'll just begin in verse one. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus. Let's just stop right there. Let's just talk about who is writing this. Um, this is, who's writing this is a man named Luke. Luke is a Gentile. He is a companion of Paul. He is a physician. And this is considered to be like volume two from the gospel of Luke. And so Luke is writing this to a man named Theophilus. Theophilus means friend of God, loved by God. He was most likely wealthy, uh, most likely a Roman official, somebody of wealth. Because in order for Luke to write all of Luke and all of Acts, that's like 60% of the New Testament, actually. A lot of people think Paul wrote most of it, which Paul wrote a ton of books. But in terms of actual content, Luke wrote 60% of the New Testament within Luke and Acts. And I read a commentary, man, sometimes they'd be talking and I'm like, how do they know this stuff from way back then? Like, come on. He, they said that based off of the amount of content in Luke and in Acts, it would have cut to like write it down, to pay somebody to write it down and to scribe it, put it together. It would have cost like $12,000 today just to put these two books together. And I'm all for books. I love books, but I ain't paying no, tw- Excel ain't letting me pay 12,000. I'm paying 40 bucks for a commentary. I'm like, oh, that hurts. Like, um, so I ain't paying that much for a, a book, especially. And so I don't know how they know that, but that's a lot of book. And so Luke is writing this to a man named Theophilus. And what he's writing is he says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so he's talking about his first volume, the book of Luke, which if you were here in the fall, we went through a series entitled Uniquely Jesus. And seven of those sermons were actually out of the book of Luke. So it's almost like we kind of walked through a little bit of Luke before getting here into Acts. But let's keep going. Verse two, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So I wanna highlight that part, through the Holy Spirit. This is gonna be key as we go on. We'll come back and we'll read this here in a moment. So Jesus is teaching and doing all of this, giving these commands through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Let's keep going, verse three, and then we'll camp out here for a minute. Verse three, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Uh, during that Uniquely Jesus series, I actually teach, taught on uh, the kingdom of God and I gave this definition they're gonna put up here. The kingdom of God is the redemptive rule and reign of God in Jesus. This is the kingdom of God. This is how we can kind of summarize the kingdom of God. This is both a present reality that we get to live in because the King Jesus has come and his redemption is spreading. So it's a present reality that we live in, but it's also a future hope that we can look forward to because our King one day is going to return and his redemption will be complete. And so this is what he's talking to them about for 40 days. What is their response? We see in verse six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like he spent 40 days talking about the kingdom of God to them. 126 times the kingdom is mentioned in the gospels. So he spent a lot of his earthly ministry talking about the kingdom of God. Kingdom and Israel aren't even in the same verse in the entire New Testament, except for one time when it's talking about the tribes of Israel. So, but, but here they are focused on their own kingdom, focused on what is going on. And based off of the verbiage and the tense of the words used here, they were looking for a political territorial kingdom on earth now. Like they wanted it now. This is just like us. 
We're like, God, God is wanting to do work for his kingdom. He's wanting to use us. And we're like, yeah, but what about the kingdom of Israel? What about the kingdom of Travis? What about the kingdom of Osagi? What about the kingdom of Paul? What about us? And so we can, I can always hammer on people. Like I can always be like, man, these people are stupid. Even this morning in our devotion, like they were like, man, I, we read about the Israelites and we're like, man, what were these people thinking? And so sometimes we can do that with the disciples and be like, what are they doing? Like, why aren't they getting this? What hinders multiplication is when we have our eyes on ourselves and not on the kingdom of God. In order for us to multiply, not just numerically, like this is kind of a smaller crowd for us because of the marathon. But normally some of y'all are like, hey, we don't need to multiply right now. Like I can't even raise my hands during worship. Sometimes we got too many people in here. We're not just talking about that. We're talking about other things that we're gonna talk about throughout this series. But do we have a heart to multiply? Do we have a heart to see the kingdom of God grow rather than the kingdom of self grow? Do we have a heart and passion to see God's kingdom or seek our own home kingdom, our own comfort? I think about whenever we're talking about sending, we are a sending church. When we talk about sending people, when we talk about being sent, that requires us to leave our comfort zones. And so when we talk about multiplying CGs, it's like, no, nah, I like this house. This house is nice. They got the couch. They got the snacks. This house is more comfortable. I ain't trying to multiply. I, I want to stay here. I ain't trying to go with Travis and plant. That fool's whack. I'm trying to stay here with Tori. I'm being in high school. I ain't going back to no elementary school. We here. You want me to go to the overseas? Yo, Austin is, Austin is nice. Like this is a mission field in Texas. Like this, this is it. And I think about me and when I moved here, like getting out of my comfort zone to seek to multiply the kingdom of God. I've been able to share some of my story with people, but I moved here from California. Don't boo me, okay? I'm gonna boo, all right. Left my family, the city where I was born, the area that I grew up in, my friends, the restaurants that I liked. I was on staff at the same church for nine plus years. Like left my Mexican food. California Mexican food is so much better than Texas, okay? Don't, now you can boo if you want. Now you can boo. The Bible says, if they do not accept you, dust the feet off and I'm out. But like I could, I left the comfort zone. I was thinking about that to come here to Austin where I don't know anybody. Food is different in a way. The in and out don't hit like it does in California here. And now I'm here at the well. And now I'm like, okay, I could get comfortable here. Like I'm starting to meet more people starting to build relationships with people. Okay, I like, I like it here. I like the staff. Like everybody's a pleasure to work with. Like, this is cool. Almost everybody is a pleasure to work with. Huh, Paul? I ain't gonna point any fingers. Juliana Quintero. She always says I pick on her. And so now I look for my gospel point in my sermon and I look for a time where I can pick on Juli in my sermon as well. But like, for real, like I can get, I can get comfortable here and be like, man, well, maybe God just brought me to Austin to be at the well. Like, like maybe this is what it's about. Tori, y'all are always hiring over there. Why don't you just hire me on and let me stay there? But knowing Tori and knowing his heart to multiply, he would be like, you're leaving in a year. And, I, and he would kick me out because we know Tori's heart. We know the heart of the well, the DNA of the well to send and to go. And going back to Tori's message last week, like about calling, that is my calling. Or as Ellen Ede put it at the missions intensive, that is my role in the calling, in the kingdom. My role is to be a church planner. 
And some of your role is to go with me. Can I get a hand? We got a sign-up sheet in the back. All right. Chris was met joking with me. He was like, this is, you're going to start your campaign right here, right? Like 2024, church 2024, hop on. Um, but all of that, because do we actually have that heart and that passion to see the kingdom of God multiply, or are we so focused on our own heart and passion for the things of this world? There's a French poet, I don't know how to say his name, and I even messaged Pierre, who goes to the well, who's straight up from France, and he tried to voice message me, and I still don't know how to say this dude's name, but we're, his name's Antoine, okay? So Antoine, go, go ahead, throw that, throw that quote up, okay? Antoine de Saint, ex, all right, he said this though, if you want to convince men to build ships, don't pass out shipbuilding manuals. Don't organize them into labor groups and hand out wood. Teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. He's saying, if you want people to go to the sea, don't just say, hey, here's, how, here's what to do here. Do this, do this. Teach them to have a heart and a passion to go to the sea because their lack of knowledge of how to get to the sea, their passion will fuel them to figure it out and to see the longing of their hearts. We as a church, capital C, not just the well, but churches all over God's church, the kingdom, we have programs, like we have strategies. That's usually not the issue. What usually is the issue is my heart. It's your heart. It's do we yearn to see the kingdom multiply? Or do we seek comfort? Like we have DMIs, we have GMCs to train you up. We have residencies. We have all of this. How do we do this though? Like, how do we get our eyes off of our own kingdom and on to the kingdom of God? Because we live in a culture that is actually all about multiplying, multiplying self. It's all about more. And so multiply money, multiply your possessions, multiply your vacations, multiply self-improvement. Like, not saying self-improvement's wrong, but like, you need this podcast, you need this teaching, you need this class, you need this degree, you need this, you need this, more, more, more. Multiply your political party in view, multiply sexual relationships, multiply, 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 more, more, more. So what changes a self-centered heart is the power of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna read that in verse eight here. And if we can be honest, we can hammer on the disciples all the time, but this actually wasn't that bad of a question. Because in Old Testament prophecies, the kingdom was going to be restored. They just had a picture of the way that they, a different picture of the way that they wanted to see this happen. Look at what Jesus's response is to them. It's actually very kind and tender. It can sound like he's not. He said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons. It can sound like he's like, stay in your lane. Like, don't worry about it. But he's, he's really saying, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. Jesus is reassuring them that he is in control. You can trust the Father and trust in his authority. And so don't look to the spiritual power. Don't look to the, excuse me, the political power of your time. Don't look to Caesar and see how this world can seem so dark, but understand that there is a power that is going to come to you that is like any other. And so let's read about this power. Verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What is this power? What is the reason and the purpose for this power? It's not a physical strength. It's not a physical power, but he says in verse eight, and you will be witnesses. 
So you will receive the power that has come upon you and that power will then empower you to be witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. What do witnesses do? They testify to what they have seen. I believe there's two parts to being a witness. One is the verbal declaration of what you've seen, what you saw or experienced, right? That's what a witness, think about you're going to court, they sit down, they share what they saw or what they experienced. But the second part or the first part of that, really the precursor is that you had to have actually seen or experienced that. Like if you go up on the stand and you're sharing something that you have not seen or experienced, you are a liar, right? You are perjuring yourself or whatever. Is that what that is? That what that is? I don't know. I didn't go to college. Um, I didn't. I didn't. Um, and so the Holy Spirit's role doesn't just empower us for a task, but empowers us to be like someone. The, the power of the Holy Spirit wasn't given to us so that we could speak in tongues or perform miracles or proclaim and to preach. But the Holy Spirit came so that we would be a witness, so that we would see the goodness of God, so that we would see the grace of God, and then we would testify. Oftentimes we can think the power of the Holy Spirit is just so that we can say something without actually tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Verse four, he immerses us. We experience what it is that we are actually testifying about. This is a real relationship that he calls us into. We're not just proclaiming something hypothetically, but it's something that we've experienced. Man, I was so pumped and juiced to be able to preach today. I don't know why, like even as Eli was reading the scripture, like I was just cheesy smile on. I was ready to come up here. I was ready to go. And so I was at Starbucks this morning. Maybe that's what it was. Don't judge me, okay? I was at Starbucks. And I was sitting, I was standing in line, I was ordering my drink, and then a song came on. And it was like, when you walk by every night, talking sweet and looking fine. Like I was getting, I was like, okay, yeah, I like this. I was vibing in, in the Starbucks. I was like, okay. And then the song kept going and I was like, what fantasy baby? Like all that kind of stuff. So I looked up the lyrics as I was waiting for my drink. And the song is all about but Mariah Carey, it's all about her fantasizing, if you will, about some dude. And then at the end of the song, she's like, but it'll never happen. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm going to tie that into my message today because that is exactly how it is. Like we be thinking, we be kind of fantasizing, man, this is what it is to be a Christian. This is what it is to follow God without actually really tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. We just kind of singing songs hypothetically, like, man, if there is a God, I'm sure he loves me rather than truly experiencing that love. So we're not testifying about the love of God, but we are also experiencing the love of God. So what did we witness? What did we witness? What are we sharing? It is the same thing that the disciples witnessed. And that is that Jesus is alive. Acts 2, 32, we're gonna read here. We're gonna um, talk about in a few weeks. It says this, this Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses. Acts three fifteen, and you killed the author of life who God raised from the dead. To this, we are witnesses. 
The disciples were testifying that Christ is risen and that he was alive. And so 2000 years later, that is what we are still testifying, not because we've heard about it, but because we have experienced it as dead men and women were brought back and experienced the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ made possible through the Holy Spirit who gives life. Man, we just sang that, didn't we? He gives life in our lungs. Is that the song we just sang? I think so. John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. Romans 8, 11, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. The reason we are witnesses today is because we have experienced that power. We're not speaking of something hypothetically, not speaking of something that we heard about, but something that we've actually seen. Jonathan Edwards, who was a Puritan pastor um, in New England during the Great Awakening, probably the greatest theologian America has seen, said this, gives this kind of illustration. There is a difference between having an opinion that God is good or that God is holy and gracious and having a sense of the loving kindness and beauty of that holiness and grace. There is a difference between having a rational judgment that honey is sweet and having a sense of its sweetness. You see, there's a difference between having opinion, making a judgment and actually tasting and seeing. And he gives this illustration of honey. Like if I had a packet of honey um, here and, and showed it to you, but you didn't know what it was. It was from like Popeye's or KFC, put on the biscuit, it'd be so good. You, you get that honey, but you would see it and you'd be like, okay, it's sticky. Like it's kind of that goldish brown, bees make it. Like you can put it on biscuits, you can put it on food, you can put it, do, do all this with it. You'd be like, okay, that is honey. You can say that that is honey and assume that it is sweet without actually tasting its sweetness. And so we do with God without tasting and seeing. Casey read Psalm 34 this morning, Psalm 34, eight, David says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, if we're gonna multiply, if we're gonna see the kingdom of God expand, are we tasting and seeing that God is good? Or are we just trying to do all of these tasks? Think about, I, think I thought about Yusuf as I was preparing this. Uh, Yusuf is our college direction director. Is that correct? I get titles super wrong when I'm up here. Um, Yusuf, our college director, a few months ago, he was talking about his pumpkin spice latte or something like that. I think it was. And he mentioned it during his sermon and everybody went out and tried it. And I I don't think Steph was here that Sunday. And so she was running the Instagram and was like, why is everybody tagging us in their Starbucks post? Because everybody was going out, trying this drink, and then posting about it, like, oh, this is so good. Like, this is fantastic. And, and what, but, but I think about this story and how it fits. Like, Yusuf got the drink at one point, tasted it, and began to share that it was good. Being an effective, effective witness isn't just, hey, go, but it's actually taste and see that the Lord is good. And this is something because we have all witnessed the grace. And if you haven't witnessed the grace and the goodness of God, I'm going to invite you to here in a moment. But since all of us have experienced the grace, the goodness, the love, the mercy, the forgiveness of Christ, because we have witnessed it, it is our job now to share that, to testify of the goodness. And we do that through the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is 
for all of us. Oftentimes we can think it's for the Tories of the world, it's for the Jennas of the world, it's for the Yusufs of the world, it's for, these, it's, it's for the super spiritual Christians, it's for the apostles. But I, wanna, I want us to look at something here. In Acts chapter eight, verse one, um, what had, had just happened was Stephen, who was stoned to death, he was um, martyred, he was killed for his faith. Stephen was just stoned to death And now this is what happens. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And so he tells them, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Yet we're in Acts chapter eight and they're still in Jerusalem until they are scattered. But who is scattered? the holiest of holies, the apostle Paul. No, apostle Paul standing right there approving of this. Peter, no, we don't even know who they are. We just know that they were scattered. And then they went to Judea and Samaria. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. So what did they do as they were scattered? These kind of everyday ordinary believers, what did they do? Acts 8 chapter four says this. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. They went about testifying of what they have seen. God's desire for multiplication is to work through all of his people. Acts eleven nineteen. let's see what these scattered people did. Now, those who were scattered, talking about those same people, because of the per- persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Where did they go? They went to a place called Antioch. And I'm actually excited because in a few weeks when I do get to preach again, I'm gonna be talking about the church in Antioch. This church became the greatest sending church in the New Testament. They sent out Paul and Barnabas. They trained up leaders. They did all of these things. And this church was started simply by some scattered people that we don't even know their names. It's not like it said Peter started this church, but those who were scattered, they didn't have a residency They didn't have some dynamic leaders. They were just testifying about what they have seen through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm not saying that's our new church plant model. Everybody just go start your own church and we'll be good. Like, no, no, there was still organization within here. But if we want to be like this church in Antioch, if we want to be ascending church, which we want to be, it's going to take all of us and not just a select few. We are all witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We see this, and and most people make the connection that, okay, they were in Jerusalem, so make disciples where you are, then Judea a little bit further, then Samaria a little further, then to the ends of the earth. But I think there's a little bit more of a connection here between these places and than what we think. Jerusalem is where they were, and Jerusalem was where they killed Jesus. So he tells them, hey, go be a witness, the same place they killed me. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And Judea, yeah, yeah, the place where they rejected you, they're gonna all of a sudden like listen to, okay, okay, cool, 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 Judea. Okay, Samaria, where historically we have believed that they are half-breeds, impures who were only created to fuel the flames of hell. You want us to go minister to them? Okay, great. So Jerusalem, where they almost killed you, Judea, where they rejected you, Samaria, where we have been raised to kind of think, despise those people, and then to the ends of the world? Yes. Yes, 
out of your comfort zone because we were created to multiply. We were created to send. We were created for war. I'm going to throw up an image here of an air, uh, aircraft carrier. I, saw, I kind of heard this illustration recently that as a church, this is what we desire to look more like in terms of like if we were a if we were a vessel on the ocean, this would be us, okay? Hypothetically speaking. Because this, the design for this, for this vessel is to send. It's to send, send, send. And it's for war. The idea behind this next vessel <laughs> is for leisure. It's for comfort. I mean, it looks a little lit too. I ain't never been on a cruise, but me and Travis were talking about this after. I mean, I want to. And I'm not against colors, the different variety of colors. I'm all for it. I ain't even against slides all that much, okay? But as a body of witnesses, of believers who understand the reality of eternity, do we attend the well to look like the first image to push back darkness and war against, or is the second image the one that we want? And don't get me wrong, I want you to be comfortable. Like these are, these chairs, these are, these are top of the line right here. We want y'all to be comfortable, all right? But we have to have the heart, the mindset, the passion to send that the well is in a place where we attend and kind of get, you know, catered to and just get to you know, um, receive, but we want our church, we want the well to be a place where you participate because it takes all of us to push back darkness. And so how did this church, going back, going back to talking about Stephen, how did this church get scattered? It was through Stephen. It was through him dying. It was through him actually being a witness. Look at Acts twenty-two twenty. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed them. Paul is talking, he's in chains right now, giving his testimony about Stephen, who was a witness. And so through Stephen, this one witness, the rest of the witnesses were scattered out, starting a church in Antioch, sending out um, disciples, sending out believers, sending out followers of Jesus, who would then get the gospel all the way to Rome. And then Paul's talking about going to Spain. And then somehow through that, we ended up here in Austin, Texas. But there is a greater witness than Stephen whose blood was shed. There is a greater witness than Paul who was also wrongfully chained and imprisoned. And that is Jesus. We live as witnesses through the power and the promise of the Holy Spirit because of the sacrifice and the work of Jesus Christ. Because he was in John 20, 20 sent to bear witness. John 18, 37, for this purpose, Jesus speaking, I was born and for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to this truth. The reason we are able to bear witness, the reason we are able to taste and see that the Lord is good is because Christ was sent to bear witness to us about the truth. And that is himself. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And so we are witnesses to the life that Christ came that we might have as he served at a, as a greater witness. And how did he do this? Going back to verse two, begin to wrap up with this. Verse two, 
through the Holy Spirit. If we're going to multiply our CGs and multiply community, if we're going to multiply diversity and have more nations gathered, if we're going to multiply gospel proclamation, it is going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. My hope for this message is it kind of shifted from what I thought as I put together kind of the sermon doc for the series. And then as I actually really prepared was just that, man, we would multiply the kingdom of God, multiply the mission of God through being a faithful witness, a faithful witness who doesn't just testify, but daily experiences, taste and see that God is good. Because one day, as we read, as we read at the end of that Acts passage for, for today, is that he will return. The angels say, hey, don't, don't trip, like, don't worry. He's going to come back in this same manner. And so let us then live in light of that. Let us live in light of eternity, that Jesus Christ is going to return and he's going to proclaim, he is going to testify that we are his sons and daughters. Let's pray. Father, you are, you are good. I thank you that you invite us into your, your mission, that you invite us in, not even for some hard task, but simply just to be a witness that testifies of what we have seen. You don't just call us to this task, but you actually equip us through your spirit, through the power of your spirit. We are able to proclaim the gospel. We are able to testify, but we are also able to experience your goodness on a daily basis because it is your spirit that gives us life. So I pray for those in here who maybe haven't tasted and seen your goodness. Maybe when I say that, they even think, what does that even mean? I pray that as we worship and as they seek community, that they would see your goodness and your kindness and your mercy. God, and for those of us who have tasted and seen, that we would bear witness to that and we would declare it in Austin the surrounding areas to the ends of the earth. That wherever we are, as we are led by your spirit, just like you were, Jesus, that we are empowered through you, Holy Spirit. God, would you help us? Would you reveal to us where we have focused on our own kingdoms, where we have not sought first your kingdom and righteousness. Lord, we repent of that. Man, would you just like lift your, lift your hands, not super high, just like in a receiving posture right now. Would you just lift your hands up a little bit? God, as they do this, just kind of symbolizing, I hope that they are willing to receive whatever calling you have for them. Going back to what Tori talked about last week, God, would you begin to speak? There are roles in your kingdom. 
God, maybe for those in here who have even struggled just understanding their role in your kingdom and seeking to multiply your kingdom. Holy Spirit, I ask that you, in your kindness and your goodness, you would make that so clear to them. Today, during this week, God, that, that we would all grasp the importance of one another, that we need each other, that the gospel is going to multiply, your kingdom is going to spread, your redemptive rule and reign is going to spread through all of us, not just a few. And so we are open to whatever you would call us to, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill us with your power. Give us your power, Lord. Let it be evident. Let us be aware of your presence with us. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more information about us or how to get further connected, please visit our website, thewellaustin.com.